Would you open God's precious holy word to Ephesians chapter 6? And we have come now to verses 18, 19, and 20. We have one more piece of the implements of warfare, spiritual war. Last time we looked at the armor that God provides for us. Before that, we considered what Paul, by the Holy Spirit, has taught us is the nature of our enemy. How strong, how powerful. And we're to stand in the power and strength, the empowerment of God. So now, one more thing added to the armor. Prayer. We wage this war against the forces of evil in the spiritual realms with prayer. And so the apostle goes through that here beginning in verse 18. Through all prayer and supplication. Uh, the word means personal entreaty. It's like specific things. We pray about general things. We pray about specific things as the Lord lays them on our hearts. All prayer and supplication. All prayer. The warrior of Christ on the battlefield where we live in this Spiritual war is to live in a constant attitude of prayer and God consciousness. We see everything as related to God, the will of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God. We constantly, as a pattern of living, live in an attitude of prayer. You can look at Acts, let's see, let me think. Acts 6, Romans 12, Philippians 4, Colossians 4, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. You see, they pray without ceasing. We're going to give all prayer and supplication. We're going to pray all the time. We pray all the time, encouraged, called out, told, commanded to pray all the time. Pray. Surround yourself with prayer. So then, our orders are very simple. If we put the whole thing in its context, what we've already seen so far since about chapter 6, verse 10 is to trust the empowerment of the Lord, put on the whole armor, the entire armor of God, and just stand. Don't get knocked down. Just stand and resist. You don't have to go on the attack. Everything is taken care of. Just stand in the power of the Lord. Be completely equipped and the war is going to come. You don't have to find a battle. It'll come to you. It'll find you. 
as a Christian. As Christians, our lives are a constant struggle against sin, against the spiritual forces of evil, against the world, the flesh, the devil, against all of these things. We are profiled by hell and the chief prince, the God of this age, the, the God of this world, in the sense that he's the God of this age, presently, Satan, knows us better than we know ourselves because he has profiled us every minute of every day that we have lived. And he thinks that he knows how we will respond when he lays various traps for us, when he attacks us in certain and various ways, when the volley of the fiery arrows come from all directions. He thinks something is going to get through. So we have to keep on the whole armor of God all the time. And we have to move in the strength of God, in the power and attitude of prayer. A consciousness of God all the time. Praying all the time. Life for the believer consumed with a constant attitude of prayer. All things are related to God and his word, his plan, his power, his sovereign will. And we see it this way. And we don't, we, we don't want to be weakened by anything. It doesn't matter how trivial it may seem in your life. Everything is related to the power and plan of God and his sovereign will. And we pray to the Lord all the time. Well, that leads to the second thought that I want us to have. Praying in every season or at the proper moment in the suitable time in the spirit at every proper moment. Everything. Pray about everything. The guy zips in front of you and takes the parking space that you wanted. What is the prayer? Well, in every suitable time. God Almighty, this angers me in the most profound way. You probably agree with me that this man is worthy of death. But I pray for his life. Let him, let him live. And enjoy that space. And help me to find another one. Doesn't matter what it is. You're in school about to take a test. God, I don't have any idea what I'm about to do here. And I want to pray forward for the results and the consequences thereof. May you bless it all. And use it for your glory. Hey, I've prayed prayers like that. God, there's a reason for this. And may you be glorified. I don't like it. But I've learned to trust you in everything. So every season, whatever it is, if you're happy, if you're sad, if you're mad, 
You find yourself getting jealous. You find yourself getting scared. Whatever it is, pray about it. God's in it. All things reference God. Paul writes to the, on Mars, to the Areopagites, he says, uh, or Paul preaches to them. And he says, in him we live and move and have our being. God's already in tomorrow while I'm still here in today. God's taking care of everything. So this is the attitude of prayer. And this is what we understand it and the trust that we have when we pray. Every, every moment is a suitable moment. And we pray in the spirit. How was that? You have to go back to Romans 8 to get a good clear definition of this. The Holy Spirit knows the mind and the heart. Did you know there are things that you don't know? <laughs> I, you, I don't know. Maybe you're like me. In the past, I have prayed for things, and today, I mean, I have prayed for things, and this is what I really wanted. This is what I got to do. This is where I got to go. This is, this is the place I need to be, or this is... This is where I need to be engaged or whatever. And my life will be consumed with that desire and I'll beg God and it won't happen. And I am so disappointed and distressed and upset. But along the way, God will make me understand that that would have been the worst thing that could have happened to me. I would have been in such a mess. Now, the Holy Spirit knew that. And while I'm praying for this thing to happen, the Holy Spirit just takes that prayer and interprets it. And the Holy Spirit then lifts that prayer up and my high priest offers it at the golden altar in heaven. That thing is seen in the Revelation chapter 9. It is the place where God receives all the prayers of all the saints and then they're dispensed and they're placed in golden bowls. There's seven of them and someday those seven bowls will be full. They'll be filled up. And then those prayers are discharged in the time of the tribulation as weapons of destruction poured upon the kingdom of Antichrist. In the time of a tribulation that's yet to come. In the tabernacle in the Old Testament, we study this in the book of Exodus. I keep referencing that because I know everyone recalls everything that we went through. In the holy place, among the furniture that was in there was the golden altar, the altar of incense. Now on the outside where priests and worshipers came and these offerings were offered were animals. Animals. I love animals. But they can stink. Nasty. They do things without announcing that they're going to do them. Oh, man. And so you have to carry this animal. 
And this animal is doing what animals do. Probably not real happy about being thrown down and then somebody coming to cut its neck and bleed it out and offer it as a sacrifice. And all this stuff, it stinks. It smells bad because this is sin. This is where sin is dealt with. But when you get to the holy place, morning and night, the priests would offer the sweet aroma of the incense. They would gather the burning coal. I put it in the censer and they would it, would, it would ascend. And so sin that is so nasty and dealt with by the time what the worshiper has done in the approved way comes to God via the work of the priest, it's a sweet smelling thing in the presence of God. The Bible tells us Revelation 9, the tribulation, there's a, there is a group of tribulation saints who are killed in the, in the first part of the tribulation. And they are seen in their disembodied states. They're in the intermediate state. They haven't been resurrected yet, but they're seen clothed in an appropriate way for the intermediate state. And they ask Jesus the question, how long is it going to be before you avenge our death and our blood? The Lord tells them just to wait a little longer. Everything will be taken care of. Well, this happens at the golden altar. And even such a prayer from a worshiper who is saved and redeemed is a sweet thing because it's at the altar of heaven's incense. Now, here we're told, pray in the Spirit. See, we pray... And it's a mess. I told you a while ago. My batting average in prayer for things to be accomplished exactly like I wanted them to be accomplished. My batting average is probably point zero zero one, if it's that good. Well, here's the beautiful thing of it. The Holy Spirit takes that mess and filters it through the mind and will of the Father and lifts it up to the great high priest who is my Savior, who at last offers it from that heaven's golden altar, the incense, the altar of incense, and by the time it makes it through all of that, it is a perfect prayer. And it is a sweet smelling thing to the Father. Because I pray in the Spirit. When I pray, I have an understanding of my imperfections. And that my desires are mingled with, with a condition in which I must continue to travel until the glorification comes, the resurrection, the dropping off of this old body. I don't know things in the future. God already knows them. Sometimes I can think, God, this is the most brilliant thing you could do for me. Yeah, you move all that way, right? I could see the perfection of this. This would help me, and then I would glorify you. 
And God just takes the sweet smelling savor as the Holy Spirit deals with it, translates it, interprets it, dresses it up, makes it like it ought to be. And the son presents it. And is it a beautiful, sweet smelling thing? This is praying in the spirit. I'm praying about that guy who just took my parking space. And I'm in the spirit. And I know God, God's going to make a beautiful thing out of this. Somewhere this is, even this is going to smell good to God. Because of praying in the spirit. Okay. Thought number three. And unto this very thing, watching with all perseverance and supplication or petition for all saints. We're in this thing together. We can't just focus on ourselves because God is at work in the lives of all the other saints. And how God works things out in their lives, especially in the local church level, but how, how God works things out in their lives is going to affect how God works things out in my life and in your life. We're in this together. So I want to pray for them as well, and I want to do this with complete, total focus and commitment, with perseverance and with petition. That is, I want to be specific as I pray, God, my brother in Christ, has this problem. This family among our brothers and sisters in Christ faces a crisis. I pray, oh God, that you will work through the saints for us to come together and help in whatever way we can. Whenever we pray, we're not only selfish in this prayer, but we are selfless as well. Praying specifically with great commitment and focus and perseverance, specifically, in specific ways, for all the saints, for all of them. If you read the Alabama Baptist, for example, or other, other newspapers or circulations that come and they give reports, for example, of things that are happening to Christians around the world. And so many Christians are suffering. They're dying for the cause of Christ. They're terribly mistreated. This has an effect on all the body of Christ. And we should be driven to prayer for these people. I watched... He was a YouTube account. I don't know. This just in the last few days, this this pastor in Canada. He, he's just preaching. He's a Bible preacher. And he was arrested in a rough shot matter. They came in and snapped handcuffs behind him and grabbed him and drug him. Didn't even give him a chance to walk. They drug him out to the car, threw him in for preaching. Out of his pulpit they took him. 
for preaching. I prayed for that man. God, this can be me next week. This can be any Christian who gives a public testimony or who offers a prayer. Daniel offered a prayer in the privacy of his apartment. But he opened the windows that faced Jerusalem and his enemies saw him. Because the law was that you weren't supposed to pray to any other God. But he did. And he was thrown in the lion's den. We have an obligation in our prayer life to pray for others, for all the saints everywhere, for those who are around us and for those who are across the world whom God has awakened us to their needs and their mistreatments or even to their glory. I also read how in certain parts of the world authorities become confused because they want to invade the worship or arrest the church leaders. But something restrains them, and I bless God for that. Praying for all the saints, watching with all perseverance, commitment, focus, and supplication, with all supplication, with all petition for all saints. So this is how we pray in this warfare for thought. And now it's the man of God. Only another man of God, or perhaps the man of God's wife, can understand the warfare that he faces. I've told you before, I'm the only guy in this room who can go to a dark room and be alone by himself and not say a word and make somebody mad. That's just the nature of the beast. Paul is in prison. You know why he's in prison? He's a Roman citizen. Why is he in prison? Because he preaches the gospel. That's why he's imprisoned. Pray also for me. Logos. Now, in the context, you have to identify the Logos here with the mystery of the gospel. Thus, it becomes a divine utterance or something from God, the good news that comes from God. So it's proper to translate that as a divine utterance. So he says, and also for me, that the word of the divine that comes from my mouth, expressed in the opening of my mouth, pray for me. That when I stand up in the call of God to do that which God has called me to do, thought number five, that I may make known the mystery of the gospel with boldness, with frankness, with bluntness, with a confident resolve. That's what that word means. It can be translated like that. That I may make known Paul has been whipped, stoned, and left for dead. And now in a Roman prison, chained to a Roman guard whose job it was to intimidate and threaten Paul all day long. 
maybe slap him around a little bit. I don't want to be afraid. I'm in this prison getting slapped around because I preached the gospel. But this is what God has called me to do. Jesus himself visited me in that jail cell. I know what I'm supposed to do. And I'm going to have to open my mouth with this divine utterance of the mystery of the gospel. And when I do, I want to do it unafraid. With all boldness. I want to preach with the same confidence that I preached with when I was on Mars Hill. At the Areopagus. When I was in Athens. At the town square. When I was in Ephesus. And it stirred up the whole city. I want to preach with boldness. I'm in Rome. The nerve center of the world. Chained to a Roman guard 24-7 who hears everything I say. Who is open to threatening and intimidating me and flashing that sword in front of my face all the time. Maybe slapping me around with his shield. I'm in the presence of a, one of the toughest guys in the world. And I have been told not to do this but I have to do it and pray for me when I do it that I will do it with boldness and confidence and with resolve that nothing will cause me to back off of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ thought number six for which I am an ambassador in a chain he is, it's, it's presbyter, it comes from presbyterus, it means elder. It means senior spokesman in this case. It means an ambassador. He is, the, he is heaven's representative to Caesar, to the king. We, we read in, was it Philippians? We read how there are saints even in Caesar's household because of Paul's preaching. I'm an ambassador, but I'm in a chain and I'm imprisoned because I have preached this gospel and I don't want to lose my boldness. Pray for me. Thought number seven, that in it I may be bold as it behooves me to speak as it becomes, as it, I am, it's a necessary thing. The Spirit of God in me necessitates me to speak, to preach the mystery of the gospel, to unlock this which was otherwise unknown, hitherto unknown, but I'm called to unlock this mystery that people may hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they may understand the vanity, the emptiness of worshiping all of these gods and goddesses, Paul, on Mars Hill. Said to them, I noticed all of the altars to the 
gods that you worship. And in my wandering, I noticed that there was an altar to the unknown God. I have come to proclaim him to you, Jesus and the resurrection. Jesus ca Anastasia. In 600 BC, a plague swept across Athens. It was determined by the city fathers that everyone who had animals would bring those animals in and that everybody would let loose their flocks and herds and that whenever an animal came to rest near an altar of a god, it was the responsibility of a citizen to immediately offer that animal to that god, asking that god to relieve the city of its plague. They had gone through the gamut of gods and nothing was happening. And so the city fathers decided that it was time to offer a sacrifice to a God they don't yet know. And they did. And the plague was lifted. And they built an altar to the unknown God. Paul says, I know him. There's only one God who could have lifted that plague. And I'm here to proclaim him to you, make him known to you. There were 30 Areopagites, smartest guys in the world, who sat in judgment over Paul's preaching. People from the market square would have gone over there. You know, that's the place where Socrates was condemned to drink a cup of hemlock. And so people thought they were going to get to watch Paul get killed or something. People from the market square followed Mars Hill, I've been there, I've seen the place. And on that tall, narrow hill, Paul preached Jesus and the resurrection. 30 Areopagites and scores of people from the market square. And the Bible says two were saved. Two were saved. One of the Areopagites was saved, one of those 30 guys. One of those 30 guys was saved and a woman from the market square, streetwalker, apparently a prostitute. Those two people came to know Christ in Paul's preaching. The rest of the Areopagites said, we'll hear you again on this matter. That never works. There's never an again. It was a great victory in my opinion because God in his will had determined to save these and God chose this marvelous, beautiful setting on Mars Hill to call these two to himself in the presence of all the others. You had the Areopagite, the highest slice of society, and a street-walking woman, the lowest slice of society. Christ saved them by the boldness of the preaching of the Word of God. And so the preacher says, pray for me. This is more difficult than you think. 
Most of the world will turn against me. They'll hate me and some of them will even want to kill me because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, simply because I want them to live with me in heaven forever and enjoy what I'm going to enjoy. How can people hate such a thing? Prayer is the next great thing for us in this warfare. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Perhaps you're here today and you would like to publicly profess Christ as Savior. You would like to come forward having professed Christ to express your desire to follow Him in baptism. Or you're here and you'd like to come into the fellowship here from another church and you want to move your membership into this church. This invitation is open for you and you're invited to express that publicly during this time of invitation. If you have questions about that and you want to talk to someone first, we have deacons and their wives available for you as you exit. They're in the rooms right across the hall when you leave the sanctuary. But for now, the appeal is for you to come. The invitation is all inclusive. So you're invited to come. Father God in heaven, bless this invitation and use it as you see fit for your glory. In Christ's name, we pray. Would you prayerfully stand all over this room? Prayerfully stand, would you? As he sings this song of invitation and as we pray. And as the Lord speaks to you to come forward publicly today, you come. You come in this time of invitation.